Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you and on with the show. Cooking and eating healthily are two things that I aspire to, but truthfully, they often fall by the wayside. By the time my husband and I get home from a busy day at work, coming up with ideas for what to have for dinner is a punish, to be honest. And I'll admit that a lot of what I have sitting in my pantry might make a nutritionist blush. Or maybe our next guest. But making healthy meals with minimal waste doesn't have to be such a chore. Joining me in the studio now to tell us how we can do this is Dr. Sandro DeMeo. He's written a book called The Doctor's Diet, Simple and Sensible Dietary Advice That Will Dramatically Improve Your Health. Hi, Sandro. Hi. That sounds like a, a really a good bold theme. Claim, yes, it? It does. <laughs> <laughs> well, well let, let me explain why. So I've, I've been working as a doctor both in Australia and around the world uh, for about 10 years now. And what I've realized is that there's a huge amount of confusion around there, out there among my patients, among my colleagues. And the result is that, in fact, in Australia now, uh, poor diet is one of the leading risk factors for disease. And about 95% of Australians, so 19 in every 20, and even, even more uh, children don't get enough fruit and veg in their daily diet. And this is in a country now where around a, th- you know, a third of children are overweight and two-thirds of adults. So, you know, in my mind, the, the single greatest thing we can do to improve the health of Australians, and particularly of our kids, is to make small differences to improve their diets. Okay, so when I hear things like that, um, the first thought that comes to my mind is like, I know why those kids aren't eating vegetables. It's because they refuse to eat vegetables. <laughs> like, I know that there is definitely a proportion yeah. of our population where um, cheap, easy food is fast food. Yeah. I know that that is a problem. But I think for the parents that we speak to, and especially in and certainly my case, in my home's case, I have worked for the last six years to eat my get my children to eat at least broccoli, maybe yeah. broccoli. But generally speaking, I think one of the hardest things for parents is to get their kids to eat vegetables. Yeah. In your research, is it um, that kind of food refusal that we're talking about with children or is it that they're not giving the options in the it's, first place? It's usually the latter. It's actually access to um, affordable, healthy, fresh food options. And um, what we find from the evidence is that they're actually very simple things that most of us can do. So kids are quite, I mean, I don't have kids, but I have, I have nieces and I've seen. <laughs> not the same. No, Sandra. I know. I know it's not. And I have to declare that up front. So um, just, I can also be- learn a little bit, I think, or a lot from you today. Well, before you go there, I just want to put it out there that if Sandra's brother or sister is listening, as part of his <laughs> research, he's happy to feed your children for at least a week. Is that right there? Would that be good research well, for I, you? I, fed, I cooked and fed uh, my little niece yesterday. I actually spent the day with ah, May. How did we that did, go? Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Um, we spent the day in the kitchen uh, with my mother, the May's grandma, 
uh, made some uh, muffins with uh, a whole bunch of vegetables hidden in the muffins ah, that she that she that then loves. Oh, it is for May. She yeah. she doesn't love her greens, but if you grate up the the zucchini and the broccoli and put it with a bit of cheese in the in the muffins uh, with eggs and things like that, she loves them. So. Um, I think, you know, certainly it's always going to be a challenge trying to get kids to eat um, veg uh, and, and fresh fruit. And, of course, our brains are wired to want the sweet, salty, high-fat alternatives. You know, that's, that's we've been wired that way for evolutionary reasons for millions of years. But we also know that kids will eat what's around. And so taking simple steps like not having the, the higher fat, higher salt uh, alternatives in the house, but also some, there are some lo- loads of simple tips in the book even just to get kids eating more fruit and veg. And one of those is just, first of all, you know, have the ones that you enjoy. So if, if kids really hate broccoli, there are loads of other alternatives. Try some of those from an early, as early age as possible because we also know that introducing foods as early as possible actually starts to build um, their preferences and, and builds them around the foods that we want them to be eating. So if there are one or two that they really don't enjoy, then maybe giving them some alternatives, trying different things, cooking them in different ways. Um, you know, in the book, for example, there are a whole bunch of greens cooked in ways that I've always eaten them and really enjoyed. I, I hate steamed broccoli, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, I mean, I can ste- no longer speak to you. It's my favorite vegetable. <laughs> but, but, but if you cook it with fresh garlic, a little bit of olive oil, some pepper and salt, it, it's actually quite delicious. And you if you it, tell me that. Cauli- cauliflower <laughs> mash, for example, again, cauliflower mash in the in the in the cookbook. Um, it's got there are some crushed up nuts in there. There's some fresh parsley. I mean, these are actually flavors that my nieces love. Um, and if they don't, if they're not a big fan of parsley for whatever reason, you can substitute it for a different herb. So trying to find the the vegetables that they do enjoy, and don't make you know fruit and veg kind of the chore by really trying to make them eat that one veg that that you want them to eat that they refuse to. At some stage, their their preferences, their their tastes will change, and they'll probably start to enjoy them anyway. The, the second thing is just having them around the home. So we're we're the same as adults. If you come home. And what's available in the kitchen uh, in the fruit bowl are the fruits that you love, the fruits that you enjoy. You know, if you love pears, buy loads of pears, have them around when they're in season in particular, and then you'll naturally graze on what's available. Have a big jar of nuts, you know, particularly raw nuts somewhere in the kitchen that kids, obviously, if they're not allergic, can be um, snacking on and going to... um, you know, these are the sorts of small changes you can make, little nudges in the home of having the things you enjoy, having them visible, having them open on the bench so if kids get hungry, they start to snack on the healthier options. And the best way of, you know, reducing, for example, sugary drinks in the diet is simply don't buy them. You know, if they're in the cupboard, then my nieces start to nag for them because they know they're there. They're very smart. They're smarter They're smarter than I am half the time <laughs> and, and they know exactly where they are. So we just simply don't buy them and, and then there's nothing for them to nag for. And instead, um, you know, if they're wanting to have something tasty and fresh when they get home from school as a drink, then, you know, certainly water but with uh, fresh fruit in it, which adds color, a bit of flavor, maybe some fresh, again, fresh herbs. Those sorts of things are great ways of getting kids involved in the process 
and also giving them something tasty to enjoy that's an alternative from sugary drinks or juices. There's a lot in what you're just saying. And if I could um, go back just a step with the fruit and veg thing, I'm curious, and this is just from my house that I'm thinking about this, is it um, a fruit and veg equally a problem for children or because there are more sweet fruits... Mm. Is vegetable the big, are vegetables the hardest things to get kids to eat? Yeah, so the evidence suggests that um, veggies are the ones that are particularly difficult to get, you know, kids eating, but also that kids, for it, not just because parents find it hard to get their kids to eat it, but also affordability, access issues, particularly, I think, in lower income families. So finding, again, the vegetables that are in season, that are freshest, that are often abundant and therefore cheap. Uh, So seasonality kind of, it sounds a bit sort of wanky or whatever, but actually it's very much a a way of eating food that is more affordable, that's fresher, that's higher in vitamins and minerals, all the things that we're trying to get more of into the diet. So, you know, trying to find the vegetables that the kids enjoy, making sure that you have those in the house. And again, being flexible with cooking. So all of the recipes in the book, if for example, uh, it recommends one vegetable, but your kids really love this week. You know, let's let's be honest. My nieces, this week, it's mushrooms. Okay, <laughs> fine. Let's eat mushrooms. Great source of protein. You know, they're, they're high in a whole bunch of really important nutrients that the kids need. Um, if we can sneak in some baby spinach, because they seem to love that but hate broccoli, fine. Let's also substitute the broccoli for baby spinach this week. And so having the flexibility to kind of react to what works for them, what works for the pocket, for the hip pocket, and what works for the season and therefore uh, is going to be at its best. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Dr. Sandro DeMeo. He's written a book called The Doctor's Diet, Simple and Sensible Dietary Advice That Will Dramatically Improve Your Health. And he's being very kind in focusing specifically on families and children in terms of what they um, don't eat and how we can help them eat more veggies and fruit. One of the things you mentioned was sugary drinks, which I know... Um, people might have heard that and thought immediately, well, I don't have Coke in my fridge. I don't have lemonade in my fridge. But that's not all we're talking about anymore, is it? No, absolutely not. So we know um, the World Health Organization recommends that we try to limit our total calories each day from what we call free sugars to uh, 10% and 5% if, if we want to protect our teeth. So what does that mean? For kids, it basically means no added sugar in our diet, so no refined or concentrated sugars as well, and that would include juices. So, um, you know, for example, a glass of juice has about the same sugar content as nine oranges. What it's missing is all of the fiber and even most of the vitamins and minerals because once they sit on the shelf, they have to add those back or put in a whole bunch of preservatives to kind of keep the color and the flavor right. So what I would recommend again is give kids a big glass of water, some milk, and also an orange for breakfast instead of nine oranges worth of sugar in a glass of juice. Um, If, you know, every now and then you want to give kids something uh, in terms of a fresh juice of some sort, water it down and at least, you know, two thirds of a glass of water with a third of a glass of juice. And that way, you know, it becomes something that they maybe enjoy from time to time, but it's not a, a morning ritual. Um, the other thing I, w- I would recommend, you know, that we, we're talking a lot about uh, kids eating, 
But actually, there's some really great evidence that we we found last year. I, I was working, uh, we just worked for the last three years for the United Nations Health Agency in Geneva, and we commissioned an, uh, a, a global study looking at actually what improves um, diet and particularly the weight of overweight children. And what we found was in very young kids up until the age of six. If you can improve their diets, well, you actually see health improvements and weight loss in the parents as well. You don't see this in older age kids, but particularly in the younger kids,、um, interventions that were aimed at improving the diets of kids actually improve the diets and the weight, the long-term weight of adults. So there's incentive. So, there, so there's, an, there's another incentive <laughs> to try and actually, you know, think about getting the kids into the kitchen, maybe. You know, really trying to explain to when when you have the time,、um, explain to them the cooking process, what we're eating, why we're eating it. Maybe you know, getting them to grow some herbs in a pot to understand a little bit more about where our food comes from, and and most importantly, the other really take home message that sounds very romantic but actually has loads of. Health benefits is eating as a family. So you know, you think、oh, eating as a family—that sounds like something you know in today's modern day and age. It's really hard to find the time to do. But there are so many great reasons to do it, and it's not just the connection of sitting down and saying what happened today, how are you, what's been going on. But actually, we we know that if you eat with others, you turn off your screen and you engage, we're more likely to slow down the rate at which we eat. We're more likely to eat less. We're more likely to have the time for our brains to catch up with our stomachs and to know that we're full, and we're actually more likely to waste less food. All of these kind of、um, what we call co-benefits, these extra benefits that come out from something that fundamentally is really fun to do if you can find the time, which is to not just cook or even shop or maybe grow some food with your kids, but also to eat with your kids. Really important. One of the things I know we find a challenge is trying to eat foods that aren't processed. Yeah. And one of the points you make in the book is if you can't read, <laughs> yeah, you can't read an ingredient, it's probably better to walk on by.、Um, does that mean that essentially, in the ideal world, we would only be buying, you know, our meat from the butcher, our produce from the fruit and veg store? And we would be bypassing, I guess, the quicker meal options that you can find that are processed foods. Yeah. So the reason that we process a lot of foods these days is to increase their shelf life or to decrease the cost of making them. Which get, it gets to a point eventually where the foods actually start to lose their nutritional value, and it's very often the major source of hidden salt, unhealthy fats, and sugars in our diet. So. While it's really hard to read, I mean, even I can't make the sense of of the ingredients lists half the time because they have literally fifty words for sugar. So they try and hide it in all sorts of different ways, all these e numbers and letters and you know twenty six letter words. What I what I generally try to stick to is as much as possible. Start with ingredients. Start with whole foods rather than products, and that way you know what's going into it. Obviously, you know things like frozen peas. That's a great example of where actually processing those and freezing them ends up being more nutritious than、uh, if we were to, you know, leave them. And and、um, in fact, even if you buy them fresh, frozen peas are often more nutritious. Is that But- the same with fish? I've often heard that if you get frozen fish, that's better for you than. 
the ones that are just in the yeah so so it can be but if, when it comes to fish it's a, it's a little bit of a different story but to finish the the processed foods um, as much as possible it's not to say that you have to buy your your meat from the butcher i mean that sounds really it great it sounds great and, and if you can it, if but... you can you know if you can somehow you know on the way home build it into your 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 walk to work or your walk home from work those sorts of things include some incidental exercise uh, but most of us don't have time for that so what i would recommend is try to do kind of one big shop from the supermarket less often maybe stop by smaller stores in your in your local area as much as possible a fruit shop if there's one on the way to or, or home from work and then when you're cooking try as much as possible to use whole ingredients um, but you know there will be exceptions pasta for example I mean there there is a level of processing that goes into making pasta but if you turn the ingredients list over it's flour and water and maybe a bit of salt because it's you know it adds the flavor to the to the pasta in the processing technique but it's when it's when you're starting to look at products that have loads and loads of ingredients it's particularly the sauces or the ready-made foods where you start to really have a lot of hidden salt, fat and sugar. And if you can maybe take one step back and prepare two-thirds of the process yourself and then use some of these additional pre-prepared or processed packaged products as kind of a way of just cutting corners, then that would be a much better way of preparing dinner. And you also know then what is in the dinner. In terms of fish, it's there are a few different things to think about when you're buying fish. And there's a whole section in the book on not only fish that's good for you and y- your health, but also, uh, importantly, food uh, fish uh, varieties that are sustainable. Because we know that about 80% of global fish stocks are now either at uh, capacity or are actually overfished. 80% is a lot. 80%, yeah. And so what what we recommend, what I recommend in the book is really try and buy local as much as possible so that you know that the fish is actually what it's being marked mark, marked at as, as, as and sold as. Uh, try to buy um, fresh is actually still better for most of the varieties. I mean, uh, if it's if it's caught and sold within a few days, it's still going to be uh, uh, better. It's only when, for example, prawns that maybe or fish varieties that are kept for a, an extended period or shipped over a long distance, then freezing at the ocean, in the ocean as they fish it, makes a lot of sense. It keeps it fresh. But if you're buying Australian and buying particularly Victorian or, or local or, or New South Wales fish, then it makes it makes sense to buy fresh. And the other the other trick is to buy actually smaller fish and lower in the food chain. So particularly white fish like whiting or uh, flathead are great options in Australia. Really high in protein, low in, you know, low in uh, fat and cholesterols, very high in the healthy fats. It's got iodine, which is great for your body as well. And it's, gra- it's a great sort of less fishy fish, which is a way of getting kids started on seafood, uh, particularly flathead because it doesn't have the bones. 
if you had to summarise, I know it's difficult because you have a whole book full of lots of tips, but thinking in particular of parents who can be quite busy, um, I know that I listen to you when you're saying these things and it, it all sounds fantastic, <laughs> yeah. but I know part of my brain's going, yeah, but most of it's aspirational because yeah. when am I going to find the time to do these things? Because we are talking about maybe shifting our way of thinking a little bit. Yep. If you had to tell parents, these are the three things I would like you, I would love you to change about the way you think about food or the way you buy food and prepare food for your family, what would they be? The first one would be to centre your meals around vegetables to start with. So as Australians, we very often think, well, what's the meat and then what's going to go with it? And whether that's for our own health or for the health of the planet going forward, that's not a sustainable way or a healthy way of eating. I would recommend, you know, find the vegetables that you and your family love. You don't have to love everything. Find the ones that you love. Find the ones that you find easy to cook, that you know how to cook, that you enjoy cooking, and start your meals around those vegetables and build out from there. Then add, you know, the pasta or the grains or whatever it is and the meat. But but most of the plate should be taken up with vegetables. It's a, it's going to be then then kind of ninety percent of the of the of the stress and the thinking is actually taken care of for you because you know you don't have to worry about gut health and brain health and eye health and skin health and vitamins and minerals and proteins because if you have a diverse range of veg that you eat across the year all of that is taken care of for you the second thing is try and 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 get kids into the kitchen with you as early as possible in their life and get them tasting different things and get them enjoying food. I see that with my nieces. We're very lucky that my my parents, my mum, is able to spend a day a week with my with my nieces. Is your but mum a nonna? My mum, it's the actually, actually it's the other side of the family. <laughs> yeah, I did have a, a, a beautiful nonna who lived to one hundred and one. Wow. On the diet that we're talking about, yes. that's where I learned to cook. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but I mean, I I learned from a very early age to associate cooking and food with love and with family. Now, we all live really busy lives. I work very long hours as well. And when I have kids, I'm sure I will also find it very difficult to find the time. But I think if you can build in even just 20 minutes, you know, a couple of times a week extra in your cooking time so that kids can somehow be involved and understand and be part of it, really important. And it starts to build the connections in their brains from an early age between food and cooking and love and fun so that when they're adults older in age, uh, they don't think, oh, God, I've got to cook or oh, cooking's so stressful. I don't know how you do it, Sandro. Cooking for five people, <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare. You know, where it, You're where reading it, my mind. Yeah, but, but so it actually starts at a young age. Mm-hmm. And, and interestingly, as I said, the evidence shows that if you get your kids into the kitchen, you could end up with health benefits from your kids being there. And from your kids being engaged, and they will actually start to kind of reverse nag you to do things that you know are better for your health. So, so there are there are benefits in there for you as well as your kids, as well as, the, as your kids in the future. And the third thing is again trying to find the time to eat as a family, to turn the phone off. Um, and again, really difficult. I know it's easier said than done. But a couple of times a week, you know, putting the phones away, eating as a family. And as I said, it, it's it's important because it's not just about the kind of romantic idea of eating as, as, a, as a group. But there's great evidence from around the world that shows that if you eat with others, you will eat 
more slowly, you're more likely for your brain to catch up and, and, and really register how full you are. So you eat less, or at least you don't overeat. And also you waste a lot less food. In terms of, you know, making all of this um, then possible across the week, I mean, loads of the recipes in the book are really the type of once you learn how to make one version, you can make 50 versions. So frittata, it's a great way of using up leftovers. It's, it's great for then leftovers across the week. Kids love it. It's got eggs in it, which are high in protein, great for the growing body. You can Once you've learned how to make one, you can make 50 different versions with whatever you have. Same with the pasta recipes, the risotto recipes, um, a bunch of different vegetables. There are different soup ideas. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a load in there. So thinking about how you can make your cooking flexible to what you have, not based on a long, complex list of ingredients that you have to have. And then also using leftovers. So if you're cooking, you know, make a bit extra so that you've got some for the next day. So you've got some for you to take to work. So you save that time, maybe packing some for the kids to take for lunch. Um, these are some of the things that you can do. And and the last thing I would say is if you can kind of, um, I'm a bit of a routine person. You know, I need to have a bit of a routine in my life. And so what I try to do is build some of these things that we're saying into my day. Um, I find that if I, you know, if I'm getting up and I'm going to go for a walk in the morning, which many of us find the time to go for a run or go to go for a walk or go to the gym, then maybe there's a, there's a greengrocer just next door to the gym that you go to three times a week anyway. So if you're going to go there, pop next door afterwards. You don't have the kids. You're high on endorphins from having just been for a run. um, And you've got a quiet moment to maybe just grab whatever looks fresh and is in season. And if you're not trying to think about the seven recipes that you're going to cook, if you're cooking food that is flexible and that can actually be tailored to what you've bought just in that five-minute rush, then that becomes the basis of your meal. Suddenly you have you have the fruit sitting in the fruit bowl that the kids love, so they're snacking on that. You have some things to base your dinners around and you've built it into your routine. It's not something extra that you have to add to the day because as soon as you start putting extra expectations on yourself on an already busy family, then within a few days it's all over and you've, you've gone back to the old ways for sure. And, and I totally get that. Ah, yes, I'm there. Well, Sandro, thank you so much for coming and speaking with us. That was Dr. Sandro DeMayo. And for more of his great recipes or to get your hands on his book, The Doctor's Diet, head to the Kindling website for all the details. That's kindling.com.au.